Welcome to Adulting on the Spectrum. In this podcast, we want to highlight the real voices of autistic people, not just inspirational stories, but people like us talking about their day-to-day life. Basically, we want to give a voice to a variety of autistic people. I'm Aileen Lam, an autistic author and photographer from France, and I co-host this podcast with Andrew Camro. Hey, Andrew. Hey, Eileen. I'm an autistic entrepreneur and founder of the Neurodiversity Index. Uh, today, our guest is Billy Mayfair. Billy is one of the top professional golfers in the United States and has been a regular on the PGA Tour since 1989. He boasts five PGA Tour victories and is the only player to ever beat Tiger Woods in a PGA Tour playoff. After dealing with Asperger-related symptoms for most of his life, Mayfair was diagnosed in 2019 with autism. Previously, during the 2006 season, Mayfair was diagnosed with testicular cancer and underwent surgery, returning to the tour just two weeks later. Along with his family, Mayfair began a nonprofit foundation tasked with providing support to those to both amateur and professional athletes and their families who struggle with autism-related disorders. Thank you for joining us. Hey, thank you for having me on, guys. Been looking forward to it. So we like to start our podcast off. We ask each guest how they prefer to identify, and we don't mean he, her pronouns, although you're welcome to share those too. We mean person with autism, autistic, Asperger's, I don't care, no preference. <laughs> um, so uh, do you have a preference? If so, what I, is it? I, I'm not saying pre- pre- I, I have autism, and uh, I was diagnosed with it, and it was probably one of the best things that ever happened in my life. My wife, uh, Tammy, um, kind of, I want to say demanded, but pretty much, uh, told me I better go get tested by a neuro neuropsychologist. And, and I did, and, and it changed my life. It, it really helped me. It, it opened up a lot of windows, uh, to my childhood, to growing up. And, uh, now it's time to, uh, we feel we wanted to go public with this to, to not just help other professional athletes, but to help children and, 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 and grownups all over the world. Can you tell us what, what led to the diagnosis? Yeah, what led to well, your wife pushing you so much, demanding? <laughs> well, she she always she you know with, with high high functioning autism as well. If you're around that person every once in a while, you really don't see a big difference. It's the people who are married to that person, or a father or a mother who see that person hour after hour every day, that you kind of see something a little bit different. And 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 my wife kind of noticed it with me. I would have meltdowns, uh, wanted to be in dark places. I wanted, I couldn't understand some of facial expressions from other people. And uh, a couple uh, months before that, before I was diagnosed, uh, I had a problems with the PJ tour rules officials. Uh, there was a ruling and um, I was kind of bullied. I would think by them, they, they didn't give me an opportunity and I didn't understand the, the entire ruling or the disqualification. And it, it happened um, a lot quicker than my brain could have comprehended, co- could have comprehended it. So when we got home from that, uh, my wife um, demanded that I get tested and I did. And, and I fought her tooth and nail. I think I threw it was two to three weeks before I finally went down and did it. And it was probably a couple of weeks to a month before I finally sat down and read, read the diagnosis of it. But when I finally did and I, and I read a lot of it, it opened up a lot of windows. It made more sense to me why I am the type of person that I am, why I am the, the athlete, the elite athlete that I am. And, but it also made sense why I had a hard time in school with certain teachers and not others, uh, why I have get along so good with certain people and not others. And sometimes why I come across as being 
weird or cocky or quiet that people don't understand when I think that's very normal for me. So it opened up a lot of windows for me. And, and as I said before, we'll say a few times probably, you know, it's something that, you know, everyone thinks of autism as rain man. And that, and that's not the case in this. I have, we have high function in autism. And like I said, you don't, you don't notice that if you're around that person every once in a while, but when you're around that person all the time, you do. So uh, it's a learning process. I learn things every day. I learn, you know, coming on shows and talking about it to people and like you all, I learn more things about it. And I think you do too. And it's, it's, I think it's such a great thing to give back to people and, and, and makes people make more sense of their entire lives. Do you, uh, are you able to share what happened with you? I'm like very interested about the rolling and what happens on the PGA tour, you said. Well, it was, it was a weird situation where TV was involved. They saw something on, on film that I was not able to see. And uh, it ended up being a disqualification because of that. Although it does state in the rule book that if my eyes don't see the ball move or that particular case, it's not a penalty. The naked eye it's rule. called the naked eye rule. And I was bullied by the tour. I was bullied by the officials on the tour to make an impromptu. They made a decision without my presence. And I didn't, I didn't argue back or fight back for my rights. And uh, it was something that, that when it affects your income, it affects your livelihood. Um, you know, you, you got to get some help. And the blessing for us was that we went to a, a PGA, I mean, the USGA rules seminar afterwards, and I was correct in everything that I did. Um, and it just even then got tested and all that. And then, then COVID hit. So it gave me a lot of time to be at home to work with my, my, my neuropsychologist to kind of help me. So it was kind of a three-step process, which, which, which was a blessing in, in, in all of it. Yeah. I, I found, especially when I was working in like, you know, corporate America and nothing is like the epitome of corporate America than the insurance industry where like, wait, why? And, and wanting to know the reason behind the, the rules and, and the details and feeling when they're unjust and, you know, um, but it sounds like at least you were able to, you know, get the reason why. Right. So uh, I did, they did. And as you even know, if I you mean, didn't agree I with it. that, reason, yeah, even so, even sometimes when you, when you see what the reason is, sometimes it just takes you a little bit of time to comprehend it and, and, and all that. And that's where I felt I was bullied by the tour. Uh, they tried to get this done and, and, and have me disqualified and, and get away as fast as they could. And, uh, you know, they, uh, they were wrong. They were wrong. And, uh, you know, I, I have to look at it now that now that that's done, I've, I've been diagnosed and, and now it's my responsibility and, and, and my job to go out and help other people help themselves too. So they're not bullied or taken advantage of. What would you, if you were diagnosed prior to that and the same situation were to happen again, how would you handle differently? Well, if at first, all? well, I, I, I would have, first of all, probably been a little bit more standoffish. I probably would have argued a little bit more. I would have used more eye contact and I would have used, I would have under, I tried to recognize their body language and their facial expressions probably a little bit better than I did because I, I didn't know anything about that at the time. But I think the biggest thing is I probably would have stood more up for myself. I knew what the rules were and um, never would have been belligerent or, or rude or anything like that, but I would have stood my ground a lot better and not have them take advantage of me. And, 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 and I think the biggest thing is I probably just would have asked for more time. I would say, hold on a second. Before we make this decision, let me a minute here. Let me think about this. 
give me a couple minutes and then we'll talk about it. But you got to give me a few minutes. And they wanted it done and, and out of there as fast as they could. Yeah, I think that's a good uh, takeaway from it. Asking for more time. I mean, I can see that being a great tip in so many situations for children, teenagers, adults alike on the spectrum. Mm -hmm. Sometimes we just need more time to process what's happening in front of us, you know, so. Absolutely. And that's, and I think more teachers and coaches, people are becoming aware of that so that when you ask, hey, can you just give me a few minutes? Let me think about this. It's acceptable. Before, if you did that, people just looked at you that you were weird and, and you were trying to stall or you're trying to get away with something. And now I think people are more acceptable saying, okay, hey, yeah, if you need a few minutes, I'll be here, you know, and, 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 and help the person out so that everyone walks away satisfied. Totally. Yeah. Um, that seems like a reasonable request for anyone, you know, autism or not, you know, to, to ask for a few minutes. So, right. Yeah. And, 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 yeah, and like I said, I, I hope that I think the world's changing a little bit. I, as I said, I think coaches and, and teachers and, and bosses and, 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 and all that are, are understanding that. And if someone asks for a few minutes, they'll, they're more than happy to, because they want, they don't, they don't want a conflict and they don't want it to end badly. So. so being a professional golfer, clearly there are things that are more difficult for you being autistic. And um, so would you say that there are other things that your peers and other golfers don't have to worry about that you have to worry about? Um, being a, on the spectrum yourself? Well, I, I, I look at more, I think I have sometimes more advantages uh, having autism on the PGA Tour than, than disadvantages. Um, I was blessed that I could go out to the golf course uh, early in the morning and be out there all day by myself and not have a problem with it. Some people just can't handle that. I, I picked a sport where I don't need a team. I can go out and hit golf balls and, and do whatever I want all day long. And I didn't mind doing that. Um, I think a lot of I know some guys here who were very good golfers and just could not take the life of a PGA tour where they were on an airplane, they were in hotel rooms by themselves and away from home. And it made them crazy. And, and fortunately they weren't able to stay on the PGA tour because of that. So I think my you were already crazy. So no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> to do that job. You do have to be a little bit crazy. There's no, no, not about that, but you know, it kind of opened my eyes, you know, it, it takes a special person to be, you know, 32, 30 weeks, 30, 32 weeks out of the year in a hotel room, pretty much by yourself. And uh, it's a lonely life. And people turn on the TV and they see the, the guy finish on Sunday and make a million dollars. And, you know, the celebration, oh, what a great life. They don't, you don't get to see the other 148 guys who are struggling at the time. So uh, it's just like any other job. There's good times, there's bad times. And, you know, you just have to deal with a lot of, lot of situations. So was uh, beating Tiger Woods the best moment of your career? And if not, which one was it? Well, it's the one I'm the most asked about. That That's for sure. <laughs> it was this uh, uh, October was, no, February. This February was 25 years. It had been 25 years since I had beaten him. And as I, it, it really, there's not a day that doesn't go by where someone doesn't tell me about it or talk to me about it or, or we don't discuss it. So, you know, it's 25 years so I mean I, and I'm the only one and unfortunately I might end up being the only one because I don't know how much Tiger is going to be able to play and be able to compete anymore but uh, you know I, I, I it was a great thrill for me I loved the fact that I won the golf tournament I think that was probably the most important thing Tiger was not 
what Tiger is uh, now by any means. I think he only had won one other tournament, had not even won a major yet. So people weren't too sure about him. But I think the greatest thing was that Tiger and I have a very mutual respect for one another. Uh, we don't talk very much, him and I, but we're so very professional. And, you know, I'll, I'll give you a little story. We were at a tournament one time and we were all in the players' dining room. He came and sat next to my wife, Tammy, and I and, and said, do you mind if I sit here with you guys? We go, no. He goes, well, you know, Billy, you're the only one I can't intimidate out here. So, uh, you know, it, it it's great that I beat him in a playoff and all that, but I think the friendship that we got or the, or the, the camaraderie, especially we were both in the Pac-12 too, um, you know, it helped our friendship too. That's so great to hear, you know, because we don't see that side of uh, professional golfing or any sports. Um, you know, we only see what we see on TV. So I, I it is hard. And and for him, I mean, for the, the amount of media, the amount of people that want his time all day, uh, when he's in the locker room, when he's at the hotel, that's his only free free time. And, and uh, um, when you see him that way, he's he's a little bit of a different person. But uh, he definitely turns it on when he's on that first tee. There's no doubt about that. So. And how, how do you get ready? How do you prep for a tournament? Um, I, I go pretty, it's funny and it has, you know, and this is another thing when I, the way I would, you know, I would do very, I got up in plenty of time. I get sure that uh, I, I stretch real good in the morning. I eat certain foods in the morning. Um, if we have an afternoon, late afternoon tea time, I won't go to bed until, you know, wee hours of the morning so I can wake up at the same time, and give myself the same time schedule. And, and that something to do with my autism. And that was something that, that uh, I never thought about until I was diagnosed. And uh, one of the things I do, I don't like to drive fast to the golf course. Um, I want to give myself plenty of time. I'm not saying I'm going to drive under the speed limit, but I just take my time. And if there's an accident or, or someone's being a jerk or, or, or if there's at the tournament a hard time to get in through the gate or something, I always want to allow myself enough time not to stress out about missing my tea time. Sounds like someone uh, preparing to go through security at the airport. I at mean. the airport. Yeah. Well, you should see how early we get to the airports to go to the, through TSA. Yeah. It's, it's, it's pretty early. So uh, uh, luckily I can say I haven't missed too many flights in my day, but you know, I always like to give myself plenty of time. I'll say, yes, let's leave it this. Time. I go, honey, what's let's leave it this time. We're going to leave that early. I say, yep. <laughs> I feel like there, there's like two types. There's like people who show up like two hours early and then there's the people who are, who, who don't, and they, they usually marry each other. So, but also too. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's kind of, that's kind of ours. Uh, <laughs> you're right. I mean, Andrew, you're absolutely right. We're opposites. And I think that's, that's very important to, to mention. Um, that helps, uh, uh, helps a relationship, helps a marriage. And uh, um, if you had two people that were the same way, I, I think it'd be a lot harder to, to function. So do you have any tips for uh, children who might want to start golfing? When did you start? My dad, my dad, actually, we would go up to Prescott, Arizona in the summertime, and, and he put a golf club in my hand when I was about three years old. And, and we just hit some balls on the range. And, and as I kind of grew, um, I used to do a lot of swimming. Uh, I was a pretty good swimmer in the state of Arizona, and, and I would swim on Monday nights and then play golf on Tuesday. And when I swam I would get a ribbon I finished second I got a, I got a, a red ribbon and all that stuff I finished, finished second in golf tournament I got a trophy so <laughs> golf was a lot more fun because I wanted that trophy over those ribbons so um plus I think it was too I mean swimming was the same way I could go to the pool and swim laps and swim laps and, and have, didn't have to have anybody around me or a team golf was the same way I'd go out to the golf course and chip and putt and hit balls go out and play and be out there all day and and just love doing what I did and I love competition. 
I love playing on the tour. I love, I love the fact that on every Thursday morning or Friday morning on the tour, we all start even, no matter what you did the week before, uh, we all start dead even, and it's a whole new week and a whole new tournament. And uh, um, it's not like, you know, baseball, these other sports, you always, you know, if you lost your last game, you're this many games behind. In golf, you could have lost by 100 shots in the week before, but you start dead even come Friday or Thursday or Friday morning. Uh, do you play mini golf? Uh, no, not, not, not anymore. No, I'm, I'm kind of like the race car drivers. They won't make, they won't make a left. They don't want everyone to make a, a, a right-hand turn. I don't ever want to play miniature golf. Uh, <laughs> um, it would, it would, they would mess up my golf game. I never, Fair I never, even, I never even one of those putting greens, those artificial turf greens in my backyard, because I just, you know, if I'm going to go practice and go hit balls, I'm going to go to the golf course. And, and uh, that's one I could never figure out why would want why would I want a putting green in my backyard? So. Does it make really a big difference, the green on a golf course and like if you do and the green in a practice? Uh... Well, yeah, I mean, it's the most of the greens you have in your backyard are artificial turf. So no matter how much sand or how you condition them, you can make them however you want. It's still not grass and it's still not what you do on the golf course. So but to me, it's it's one of those when I leave the golf course, I put the clubs in the car and, and I'm done with golf until the next day. I don't ever want to bring it home i'm not one who puts in the room or swings in the room or or stuff like that i get back to the hotel or to the house and i put them away and i don't see them till the next day do you well do you practice when you're not in the tournament season is there a tournament season? yeah yeah we're home this week right now and, and i'll go out you know just about every day and, and hit some balls or, or putt and we'll play with some friends around here but uh, i stay active i mean i'll take a few days off here and there but i i like to practice and play when i'm home so fun fact, uh, as you you know, I work at uh, Autism Speaks as the director of social media and uh, our CEO, Keith uh, Wargo, um, says that you're one of his uh, favorite golfers. What do you say? Oh. Yeah. oh, that's awesome. That's awesome. That's awesome. Well, tell him thank you. And I appreciate that. And I had a nice note from uh, from a child who was diagnosed with autism a few weeks ago. And, and he said, I'm his favorite golfer because of my autism. So um those are those are the things you get in the mail and, and you know you know you're doing the right thing by helping people uh when did you uh, make your diagnosis uh, public well we had we were tested in um in in november, in november of, of 19 and after i you know it took about six months almost a year and, and for me to read it to accept it and then we my wife and i made the decision to go public with it because well one the, the pga tour was not accepting uh, autism as a any type of um disability or anything like that but it was just more we realized they were with we were they were athletes out there professional athletes that probably had autism that needed that we thought could we could help them and we also saw the, the help that needed to be by the families who who children or athletes who have autism their their families and, and needed help too and that's what really kind of kind of got tammy and i into uh, doing our foundation really like that it's not just autism too we've had a few other um we've had a football player right eileen um we've had have, have we had a basketball player i feel like they're no uh, tony snell just came out uh with a autism diagnosis but mm -hmm. he's not on our podcast yeah yeah, yeah. Well, you know, it, it's it, when you go around. I, I had a, I was up in, in Flint, Michigan, uh, a year ago, and, and a bunch of uh, kids who had autism. 
uh, had a group of them come out and watch me play one day. And I was unaware that they were out there and out there. And I met them after the round and, and to meet the kids and to talk to them and show them that you can have a, you can do anything you want to do. You can have a normal life. You can be a professional athlete, a golfer. You can be a professional businessman, fireman, policeman, whatever you want to do. The world's, you know, there's no limitations just because you're autism. Uh, I think open their eyes, but to also stand back behind them and watch their parents um, get a smile on their face and kind of a relief, kind of like here, someone's finally helping us and telling them that they can do that. Um, made me really think with Tammy and I to, to help the siblings because honestly, there's just, isn't enough help out there for them. Yes, that's that's true. I'm a, I have two autistic uh, children and I'm on the spectrum myself. So it's uh, yeah. all of my life and we do need uh, the community and uh, you know what they say, it takes a, it takes a village. Um, that's right. Well, God bless you all. It's, 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 that's, it's, it's a true statement, yes. Um, do you uh, had anybody reach out to you after your diagnosis that's not like a fan or like did anybody you play with uh, maybe reach out after your diagnosis? I, yeah, I, I've had a lot of special. I've had, I had a gentleman uh, who was, I think, 58, 59 years old. He was a uh, professional uh, uh, writer. He wrote for a lot of newspapers, all that back in New York. And he read my article and went and got diagnosed and uh, wrote me a nice note and thanked me for having me do that, having, you know, having me tell my story so that he would do it. Because he always felt that there was just something not right there. And, and after he was diagnosed, it helped him a bunch. But um, I've actually almost gotten more notes from from grown-ups that maybe I have children because I think that um, grown-ups you know they've had this this condition their whole life and they're unaware of it and then all of a sudden at age 40 50 60 years old uh, I, I had heard a note from a woman who just got diagnosed with who's 70 some odd years old and it's like you know it rejuvenated her life because now things started making more sense and she was able to do some things and understand why things went the way they did sometimes and 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 that's that's the blessing and that's why i've encouraged people to to go get diagnosed well 77 that's such a cool story yeah yeah and in fact she lives in palm springs and she came out and actually came out and met i met her during the tournament and didn't know the whole story and maybe she went diagnosed got diagnosed i think after that that's right it was after that so i mean 77 year old woman and um you know that's that's when you know what when you when you try to reach out and help people that when you do find someone like that it's 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 really a blessing. What else do you like to do other than golf, if anything at all? <laughs> Drive my wife nuts. Uh, no, <laughs> we should have that at least. We we we. I love to bowl. I do a lot of bowling. Uh, I love animals. Uh, I try to help some charities around here and there, uh, all over in Oklahoma and in Arizona for, for charities, for, for animal foundations and all that. But, you know, golf, golf is a, you know, any sport, anything right now is, is a year round sport. And, and even though we're in the off season, I'm still preparing, working out and doing things. But, uh, uh, one of my favorite things I love to do is sit on my recliner and watch TV. And, uh, that's, you know, that's, you know, that's okay. It's self. It, it, that's the way that I self-soothe my brain a lot. And it wasn't until I was diagnosed that I realized it was okay to sit on that sofa and, 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 and watch the TV for a few hours and, you know, to calm down. That's the way that I calm down. That's, that's the way I do it. So I'm, I'm, I feel okay when I do it now. We all need it. We all need it. Yeah. 
So is there any place that, uh, do you have a social media where we can find you? This is the place to promote yourself or, or anything else that you would like to share. Um, well, we can talk to Steve, obviously, on the line there, but it's mostly BillyMayfair.org, and that tells everything about what we're trying to do and then the foundation and all that. And um, uh, as you know and I know, it's, it, it can be a slow process sometimes with all this and then all the stuff you have to do, but uh, it's on uh, BillyMayfair.org. And, um, you know, we're, we're taking it one day at a time and, and trying to help one, or, one person at a time. And, uh, you know, thank you for having me on and doing this because it makes it, uh, people aware of it and um, as I'm finding out more and more, more people hear about it and talk about it, the more they start thinking about things and, and want to get diagnosed or, or, or to help their children or something like that. And, and that's what we're out here for. We're here to help other people with this. I'm going to ask you some uh, quick fire questions. Basically, okay. the first answer that comes to your, to your mind. Okay. What's your favorite animal? Dog. Happy Glimore or Caddyshack? Caddyshack. Uh, your favorite actor? Kevin Costner. Favorite food? Uh, pizza. And favorite color? Uh, lavender. Oh, that's so pretty. Love that answer. <laughs> Are you watching Yellowstone? Wasn't one of the questions, but just a, a side <laughs> note from here. You know? Well, yeah, I have watched Yellowstone. My, my, actually, my cousin um makes all the jeans for yellowstone he oh. has his own business here up in up in uh, north here and and uh so we've watched yellowstone um kevin i got to know i've I, I met kevin a few times we were on the sets here for tin cup so um i've always been kind of a kevin costner fan because i've got to spend some time with him but uh uh i have we have watched yellowstone but more it's just to, to see the jeans it sounds funny but to watch the jeans than, uh, than the actual movie so <laughs> That's hilarious. I love it. Uh, well, that's that's it for us. But thank you so much for joining us today. Well, hey, thank you for having me on. And thank you for, for what all you guys do and, and, and getting the word out and, and spreading it around and and uh, helping people uh, understand better the, the, the diagnosis and, and all that. So uh, thank you so much. Thank you.